This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the MomWell Podcast. Today, I am excited to welcome Dr. Vanessa LaPointe to the show. Dr. Vanessa is a psychologist, an author, and has been supporting families for nearly 20 years. She's recently partnered with Dove on their self-esteem and confidence project, and she's joining us today to discuss how to raise confident kids. I've worked with many moms who struggle with self-confidence or body image, especially in the postpartum period when our bodies have changed so much. And a major concern that I find a lot of moms bring into session is how to not have their body image or their self-confidence impact their children. We want to be able to raise our children to be confident and to love themselves, and many of us didn't grow up feeling that. In today's episode, Dr. Vanessa helps us to learn how to foster self-esteem and confidence in our kids. She helps us understand why working on our own confidence matters and how it impacts our children. And we spend time discussing how to raise confident kids in the technology era where they are bombarded with so many images and messages online. Sometimes it can feel really overwhelming or discouraging with the volume of information and apps and messaging that is online. So learning how to guide our children and instill some media literacy in them so that they can question the messages that are in the advertisements that they are seeing is so valuable and important. And it's going to be such a necessary skill for themselves growing up and their self-development. But just before we get to my conversation with Dr. Vanessa, let's hear our iTunes review of the week. This review comes from E. Katie, and it's titled, This Podcast Needs to Be Recommended to All New Mothers. I've been following Erica on Instagram for a while and found the content spoke to me on so many levels. It was like she reached into my mind to get the content. I finally got around to listening to the podcast, which I'm not usually a podcast fan, and my mind has been blown. Everything I've been feeling has been discussed and explained to me. And everything I've learned trying to find answers for my emotions through other channels all comes together in one beautiful wow moment in these podcast episodes. I just cried through an episode on mindfulness for mummy rage because it was like it was about me and I never felt more understood. It's all about psychology and neuroscience and not just moms talking about how hard it is and to enjoy the fleeting moments. Thank you. Thank you is all I can say. Best resource for mothers I've ever come across, hands down. Thank you so much for leaving this review. I appreciate you taking the time and leaving your feedback and letting myself and the team know the impact that we're having in this podcast that we're producing. My literary agent broke down the economics of podcasting the other day on her Instagram feed, and these shows are a surprising amount to produce. And we definitely don't make the money to cover the cost, but we produce these shows because of the impact that they have on those who are listening. The best way that you can support us is by pausing and taking a moment to leave a review. If this podcast has had an impact on you in some way, I would appreciate if you would pause and take a moment to leave us some feedback, leave us a review, let us know what has been impactful. Let us know what has been helpful and what you'd like to see more of. All right, let's get to my conversation with Dr. Vanessa. Do you ever wish that parenting came with a manual? I know I have many times. We think we know what we're getting ourselves into when we become parents. We think we'll always be peaceful and loving. We think we'll know how to navigate tricky situations. And we think our kids will listen to us the first time we ask. But once we become parents, we're met with reality. Kids who struggle with their emotions, difficult parenting decisions, and suddenly we realize that breaking cycles is a lot harder than we thought. It's no walk in the park. The good news is that you don't have to do it alone. We don't have a parenting manual for you, but our therapists do specialize in supporting parents like you through your transition into parenthood and beyond. We're here to help you work through your own childhood break generational cycles, stay calm during tough parenting moments, and form a way forward that works for you in your family. All visits are done virtually, so all you need is an internet connection. Not sure if therapy is the right fit for you? We'll help you figure it out. 
head to momwell.com slash booking to set up a free 15 minute virtual consultation. That's momwell.com slash booking. Welcome to the MomWell podcast, where we're committed to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host, registered psychotherapist and founder of MomWell, Erica Jossa. At MomWell, we know that motherhood is hard, but care shouldn't be. We're committed to providing you with knowledge, tools, and support to navigate the challenges of motherhood. Our mission is to put moms back on the priority list and empower them to create a mental wellness toolbox free from judgment, fear, and shame. On the show, we'll be discussing topics such as postpartum depression, identity loss, the mental load of motherhood, and more. We'll be joined by experts, moms, and professionals who can offer advice, practical tips, relatable stories, and honest conversations. Here at MomWall, we believe that when a mom is well, a baby is well. So join us as we discuss the topics that matter to you with experts who get it. Together, we can redefine motherhood and change the way moms are treated. Dr. Vanessa, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here today. I am so excited to have you with us. Your parenting platform and all the things you do is so inspiring. I'm especially excited to have you here to talk about self-confidence in in body image in our children, something that comes up, as you can imagine, with the moms I work with a lot. So thank you for taking the time to be with us. Awesome. You're so welcome. I'm really happy to be here. I'm so curious in your story and in your journey because like you've authored books, you've got your platform, you're partnered with Dove. Is there like a Coles Notes version? Usually there's not. Usually there's like ebbs and flows, but I'm so curious how your platform has evolved and how you've got connected with Dove as well. Yeah. So the platform evolved in the most organic way possible. I remember being a teenager and a young adult and sort of having this vision in my head of what I thought I might want to be doing on this planet, which was really to support parents and supporting their kids. Mm. And, you know, along the way, I became a psychologist and I did all of these things. And what I realized as I got, you know, through those early career years and kind of settled into my skin a little bit was that the education was maybe like 10% of what it was Mm. that I was actually engaged with in my professional life and also my personal life. The rest of it has just come out of a burning desire to understand what it is that makes us as humans tick Mm -hmm. and the whole sort of nurture part of the question around, you know, what it is that kids need to go and grow and become their best possible selves. I come into it not with this glossy facade of feigned, fabulousness my whole life. Mm -hmm. I was a high school dropout at one point. I dropped out of school in grade 10. I was very depressed and struggling with a lot of things in life. And I sort of like picked myself up and found my way forward. And similarly in my life as a parent who has restructured her family through divorce and remarriage and all those kinds of things, it's often in the moments that are full of the most challenge where growth and clarity eventually emerge. And so it's the combination of all of those things and bringing that to bear on the work that I do that I think has allowed my platform to become what it is. And it really was the existence of that platform that allowed for the relationship with Dove as it stands today. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's really easy for myself, but also for anyone who you know is in the community here to look at others and think that I don't know, they've always been this way or they've always had these skills or this must come easy to them or naturally to them. And I share similar experiences coming through my own postpartum depression and anxiety, uh, which gave birth to this whole platform, being able to find my footing there and also recognizing what a maternal mental health crisis also we have going on right now. Yeah, I don't know. It's just really nice to hear that you have built yourself through this journey with the skills that you then take and teach others. And there's something really valuable in knowing that, hey, these are skills we build, we learn them, and we practice them over time. And I feel like it's really confidence building for those who are listening. Yeah, to know that it doesn't have to be perfect. The perfection of all of it at the end of the day is really in the imperfection of it along the way. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. 
I really gravitated towards the topic when it came through about self-confidence and Dove's self-esteem project that they're doing because I've actually been listening to a book called The Confidence Code, trying to understand confidence, trying to understand where it comes from. Is it nature? Is it nurture? How do I build more of it for myself? But I think that also a big question that the moms in our audience have and the parents in our audience have is, how do we instill this confidence and this self-esteem or security or however in our children? I feel like a lot of the comments I hear are not wanting to harm our children or wanting to give them the best foot forward in, in any way that we can. And sometimes we didn't have a model that taught us how to do that or we're learning to do it for ourselves also while teaching them. Mm-hmm. So thank you for joining us to have this conversation today. I feel like it's really important. You know, we are raising children in unprecedented times. And there are so many sort of forces at play all around us that haven't existed in previous generations. And so it would make a lot of sense that there's a bit of head scratching going on right now as we try to figure out, okay, whoa, what are we meant to do with all of this? And how do we put the pieces together in a way that our children's childhood is protected and that their sense of self is nurtured along and doesn't get, you know, attacked by all of this other noise that has entered into their environments. Mm-hmm. And when we're talking self-esteem, maybe we can define some terms and carve them out for listeners who maybe aren't in this space as much or it might feel a little abstract to them still. When we're talking about building up self-esteem in our children, what are we referring to exactly? I probably have a slightly different take on that than the way other people might define it based on my the sort of theoretical underpinnings of all of my work. For me, when I speak about those kinds of things, I'm talking about the experience of getting to be self-referred in how I move through the world. And so if I'm other or object-referred, then I'm taking my messaging and I'm onboarding a narrative about who it is that I am from the people around me. If I'm self-referred, the narrative is coming from within. Hmm. And so it doesn't matter if somebody is looking in on me with judgment that thinks I haven't done it good enough, or I haven't, you know, gotten my toes to the line or whatever it is, they might be looking in on that with me. And my internal belief is that what they think of me is none of my business. Mm -hmm. Because it's what I think of me that is going to matter at the end of the day. Okay, so a true self confidence or sort of autonomy in our worth almost, I would say, hey, Mm -hmm. like we're not looking and measuring ourselves to something external, but we've got like our internal values or criteria that we are looking to, to feel secure and define ourselves in. You got it. That's exactly how I would say it. Yeah. And like, as a parent of three boys, it feels like a tall order to carry such responsibility, doesn't it, for our children? Because Like the decisions we make in a day as mothers are many. And I feel like at times they all feel like they carry such significant weight because it's our most treasured and valued role, right? Like, of Mm -hmm. course, we want to raise children with confidence and with self-esteem, but it's hard for parents to know where to even start or what they're aiming for. Yeah. And if I had to tell you the number one most frequent question that I was asked in my 20-some years as a practicing psychologist, it would be, the question is, what do I do? And then fill in the blank. Mm. You know, what do I do to grow confidence in my children? What do I do to, you know, address this behavior issue? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I think it is like paralysis by analysis. We can, as parents, especially now, like there is at the click of a button, just an encyclopedic volume of information available to us on all of the Mm -hmm. tricks and tips and strategies and all the things. And it can feel like we're drowning in that. And we can't actually come up with a way through that feels like it's going to work. And in addition, it actually breeds fear. Mm -hmm. Because how could we possibly know all of the things and thus bring all of those things to bear on the well-being of our children? Yeah. And so I like to actually pull the lens back a little bit further and change the question. Instead of the question being, what is it that I should do as a parent? I love for the question to become, how is it that I ought to be Mm. as a parent? Mm -hmm. 
And I pull from the teachings of Eckhart Tolle, who's, of course, a very, very wise human, who famously said, the doing flows from the being. So when you have guiding principles in a sense of how this all kind of works, when you have that on board internally, you actually don't need the script for how to say the thing or what to do. Mm. You don't need to know those details. Those details end up taking care of themselves because they flow from an energetic space within your being that allows you to sort of step in with swagger and confidence in the knowledge that maybe you don't have all of the answers, but you sure can be the answer Mm -hmm. that it is your child needs. We were born to this. Want to get smarter about your health, but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. One of the most relentless mental loads is being the juggler of medical appointments. Researching doctors, reading reviews, making phone calls to book appointments, it's a lot of stress when you're already juggling so much invisible labor. That's what makes ZocDoc great for moms. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of highly rated in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. ZocDoc has doctors of all specialties, including therapists, psychiatrists, and psychologists with verified patient reviews so you can make sure they check all your boxes. You can find mental health providers who offer in-person appointments, virtual consults, or both, whatever works for you. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days. Sometimes you can even book same-day appointments. Make juggling appointments easier with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash MomWell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash MomWell. ZocDoc.com slash MomWell. It reminds me of some of what I've been reading about confidence with the we gain confidence by doing and that this perfectionism and, and what you're addressing, this need to know all the information and feel like we have to have all of this expertise in order to then be deemed sort of competent in our parenting, mm. that that perfectionism actually like hinders our confidence in being able to guide and coach and and be there for our children effectively because we're just living in that self-doubt all the time, right? Rather than what you're saying, like really, whether it's trusting in your intuition or looking to your values as a guidepost for you. It's interesting because it's making me think about how to teach this skill to our children, we have to learn how to embody it and model it ourselves. Like how do we ourselves feel you know, self-confident and self-esteem. And I work with a lot of moms and I talk to a lot of moms who struggle with that, who struggle to feel like they're good in their role, who struggle to have self-compassion and need, you know, seek reassurance from their partner or their family that they're doing a good job. So I can see how our ability to feel confident in ourselves and in our own abilities can also I don't know, play out or be visible kind of as we're trying to teach it to our children. Oh, I would agree with you 100%. I always go back to this quote from Dr. Dan Siegel, who's a 
psychiatrist, but he has labeled himself an interpersonal neurobiologist, which is really about <laughs> the impact of relationship on the developing self and in, in particular the brain. And his famous quote is, the environment creates the mind, then the mind creates the environment. So when you're a child and you're growing up, the environment all around you, particularly in your first six to eight years of life, kind of soaks in through your skin and on up into your brain and on into your heart. And it is the foundation upon which the neurological architecture of the brain wires up and also the foundation upon which we base our sense of self. So the environment forms the mind. Then you grow up in form anyways, and become an adult mm -hmm. and you have children and the mind formed for you in your childhood is now forming the environment around you. And in that environment, your children grow. That environment is now forming their minds. Hmm. And so when I'm working with parents, and I almost exclusively work with parents, I see very few children. And the children that I do see are usually older adolescents. And there's a lot of logic that goes into why, but the focus is on the parents. And you cannot grow a child if you have not yet grown yourself. Just because you're an adult doesn't mean you're grown. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to grow you to grow them. And when we can onboard an inherent message of love for self and compassion for self and grace for self, it's like it leaks out of our cells into the environment around us and our children just bathe in it all the day long. And then they begin to onboard that as part of how they see themselves. So it really is an inside job that begins with us, not from a place of being burdened by that and from a place of being extended the opportunity for that because we have children. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting because I feel like moms will more easily want to extend these things to their children. We can be compassionate with our children all day long. I mean, Unless I've asked you a hundred times and you haven't listened, my compassion <laughs> starts to go out the window in that moment. But, you know, when it comes to emotions, when it comes to, you know, insecurities and all the things, we can extend a lot of compassion. But then when it comes time to be compassionate with ourselves, we have a lot harder time with that. And so, I don't know. I have a lot of conversations here on the podcast about, you know, respectful parenting and respectful discipline and positive discipline and, and all of the different things. And it's hard when the buy-in is, hey, I have to kick this like inner critical voice. Like that feels like a much more difficult task than, hey, what's the script or the tool or the thing I can do here to make this better for my kid? Because it's just a different level of work we have to do on ourselves. Oh, yeah. And I hear that a lot, actually, because it's not for the faint of heart. It really isn't. Mm -hmm. To do that inner work within ourselves as grown-ups, I mean, it is a grind. And mm -hmm. a lot of it is happening beneath the surface. So it isn't even tangible. Like, I'm always pumping my fist in the air for parents and saying, you just got to keep the faith. You know, like, we faith it until we make it. And one day, you'll see the fruits of these labors. And for now, just trust in the process and be surrendered to all of that. And the bottom line is, it's work either way. Mm -hmm. So it's work to do the work on oneself. It's also work to not do the work and manage the ramifications of that downstream. Yeah. And so either way, it's work and it's hard and you just get to choose your heart. Yeah, totally hear that. It's sort of the two ounces of pain versus two tons of regret, sort of pain up front, chosen and controlled and maybe even paced out and managed kind of yeah. versus what comes up down the road. Now, one of the pressing questions I had for you in preparing for this interview was like this idea of self-esteem and the and thinking about the Dove projects that they put out there and the commercials and things like this whole raw beauty and this real pushback that is in their messaging and like body image, like for women, I feel like there is self-esteem and body and body image and our physique and things go so hand in hand. So how does our body and our body image play into the equation here? So that is a socially constructed relationship that wouldn't have existed, you know, a million years ago. And it does exist now, which brings us to some basic principles within the realm of social psychology. 
So when we talk about social psychology and what it is that has us kind of ticking as a social species and moving along together, we land on these kinds of expressions like birds of a feather flock together, two peas in a pod. We tend to like others who like us. Imitation is the best form of flattery. You know, all of these kinds of things. And so the question begins to be about what is it that children are exposed to in the dominant pop culture in terms of what leaks through on media, what leaks through on social, what leaks through in terms of the imaging that is forever hitting their eyeballs. Hmm. And there is a desire within us as human beings to want to be part of the pack. We want to belong. It's an ultimate expression of what it is to be part of a social species that you're going to belong. And so when you see these images over and over and over again, there's a natural gravitational pull towards believing that that is the norm, that that has become what defines us. And to be able to belong to this species, then you've got to emulate what it is that you have seen. The challenge, of course, is that the emulation of that is essentially unattainable because it's not real. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so we've set our children up from the get-go in all of that because they can't attain it. And so then there becomes this enduring experience of the bar is consistently set in an unreasonable place. And so you're just always tripping and falling on your face. Mm-hmm. And then you onboard a message about yourself. If those are your constant repeated experiences, the message is, I can't do it. I'm not good enough. I don't fit in. Mm-hmm. I don't reflect the values of the broader culture. If we rewind it even further to when our children are very young, which actually brings this conversation full circle back to the essence of gentle, respectful, attachment-informed parenting When our children are very young, their most formative relationship is their first relationship. And invariably, that relationship is with their primary caregiver or caregivers. Mm -hmm. And if we have not understood child development on behalf of the child, then how we parent typically flows from a place of letting them know they haven't reached the line. They haven't hit the bar. Hmm. And so example, you're two years old and you're biting. From a place of child development, like welcome to the club kiddo, cause you're two hmm. and you're still orally focused and you've got to figure out ways to regulate, but you don't have any of that wiring on board yet. And so you're going to chew on some things usually when you're frustrated or excited because you're attempting to settle your nervous system. Like that is spectacular. Hmm. You're so incredibly clever that you have figured out that if you can like bite some other kid's face, you're going to feel a little bit calmer right afterwards. Mm -hmm. That's remarkable. Then what do we do? We make the two-year-old who's doing a very developmentally typical thing. We make them wrong. Hmm. We kick them out of the daycare or we sever the relationship only momentarily by putting them in a timeout. And we do all of those things on repeat. And so children learn very swiftly, I must tow the party line or I don't get to belong. Mm -hmm. We teach them that. Mm -hmm. And then we wonder why it is that they're so impacted by social media and other kinds of forces when they're exposed to all of this imaging and all of this messaging. I must toe the party line. Otherwise, I don't belong. And belonging to humans is air. Without it, Mm -hmm. we die. Yeah, I see that. And I see how we can set boundaries or be firm while also showing unconditional regard or acceptance, right? So the biting of your brother might be unacceptable or inappropriate. However, biting on this teething toy or this more appropriate object to soothe or regulate can be, it can be managed in a way that is not uh, like conditional. And I think that that's like the real piece here. And, and A friend of mine, Jess from Nurtured First, she had a post on this on social this week talking about how, like, I love you regardless. Like, I love you all the time. Good decisions, bad decisions, good behavior, bad behavior, sleeping awake here, there, like, whatever. It doesn't matter because it's not like a conditional status. Mm -hmm. And so understanding that and instilling that in our children. And what I've seen a lot and I've heard a lot from clients 
is socially this starts to play out where boys are praised and acknowledged for whether it's like their athleticism or their intellect or their interests or their hobbies. And from a very young age, little girls are acknowledged for their looks and their beauty and their cuteness. So when you talk about self-esteem being an internally sort of derived or like anchor of a system, when externally these pressures have always pointed us to look back to like external things or look at our body or present our body in a certain way, it becomes really difficult. Like this self-esteem being anchored in our body as our worth versus as our self as our worth becomes really, there's a a gap here almost, it feels like. Oh, huge gap, huge gap. And the question that I immediately go to is why are the grownups so focused on physical appearance for the little girls? Hmm. And the answer for that (laughs) goes back in time too, because that's what allowed for them to belong. And so Mm. that's why we bring that to bear on our children. And that's why it's our job to go inside and figure that out. And when you're a child, it is not upon you to be able to conjure all of this up just organically from some space inside your soul. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's your grown-up's job. It's your grown-up's job to create an environment that is conducive to your growth. And they do that by ensuring the messaging that is coming from their being that they have worked on themselves, the messaging is, you know, congruent with a sense of worth that is inherent, that you are worthy because you breathe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's no other condition placed on your worthiness. (laughs) You breathe, you're in, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And so I really do think that it comes back to that piece of things. And as grownups, we cannot heal that anymore from the outside world. We must heal it within ourselves. But for our children, the opposite is true. Hmm. They are looking to us to provide the roadmap to pave the way so that they can walk forward in that knowledge and not have to heal from it later on. Mealtime with kids can be stressful. But with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use code momwell50 to get 50% off your first box. Mom rage often leads us to feeling ashamed, but the truth is that our rage doesn't mean we're bad moms. In fact, anger is a sign from our bodies that our needs aren't being met. As moms and therapists, Dr. Ashirin Areem's psyched mommy and I understand mom rage. We know that we all lose our cool sometimes. And we also know that with the right tools and strategies in place, those moments happen less often. We've teamed up and combined our years of experience to create All The Rage, raising kids with less anger and more connection, a course designed to be your go-to resource for preventing and handling your anger. We dive into what causes your anger, how it impacts your body, how to reframe your thinking, and how to stay calm in triggering moments. And because we are all human, we also include strategies for repairing after we inevitably lose our cool. In honor of Maternal Mental Health Week, you can save $20 on the course with promo RAGE20 this week only. Don't miss out on your chance to save and make a positive change. Head to momwell.com slash rage and save with code RAGE20. 
That's momwell.com slash rage, code rage20. In my mind, what comes up and what it looks like is like setting boundaries in like a protective environment for them. So like a story that comes up in my mind was a client who her mother would comment on her child's food and food intake and food choices all the time and would like nitpick things, you know, say comments that were like inappropriate. And so she felt a need to set a boundary and say, "Mm, no, we don't do that here. Like not in this house do we, you know, have these types of conversations about food or body or whatever it was. So there's this real like creating a sense of security piece, I think. And another one that comes to mind for me is like media literacy and whether it's putting protective layers on their technology and or teaching them about media literacy in age-appropriate ways as they grow because it isn't representative of who their future you know, partner may be or what their real peers look like or however. Are these the types of things that you're referring to when meaning like we create this roadmap or we sort of teach them these skills? Yeah. So the first is we have to have onboarded that ourselves because otherwise it's just going to keep falling out our mouth and we're just going to, the doing will flow from the being. So if the being isn't sorted out, we're going to continue to trip. Yeah. And the second is with a sense of like alpha, you know, like, like I, I have got this, that you step in and exactly the ways that you are speaking about. And I always think about it. If you can imagine, it's kind of like a ladder, you start on the bottom rung. Mm. And so, you know, if your children are just being exposed to social media for the first time, what's the bottom rung of the ladder? Mm. The bottom rung is probably that you're on there with them, that they're only ever on social in the open spaces of your home, that their phones don't go into their bedrooms with them. Like you're putting a lot of protective measures in place in order to kind of ease into this experience rather than creating a sink or swim kind of experience. And then as they get older, they are going to be increasingly on their own in terms of making choices and engaging with the algorithm and all of those kinds of things. And so to be having those conversations from early on, and you talk about them the same way like you talk about what you're having for dinner that day. It's just part of how we go and flow and and it becomes a part of the kinds of things that we talk about. One of the things that I've loved so much about the work that Dove is doing is that a lot of that work is necessarily focused on parents Mm -hmm. and creating a way for parents to feel empowered about that. My eldest son is now 19 years old and Facebook became a thing the year he was born. Mm -hmm. And so like, what did I know? I barely knew what Facebook was Mm -hmm. for like 10 years after that, right? much less how are we now navigating all of these other platforms and if we're meant to be the leaders and we're meant to be the alpha and all of this and we don't know anything about anything when it comes to that kind of a space how do we guide our children and so the dove confidence kit which is one of the tools and resources that they've created is like a whole booklet of here's the things that you can talk about. Here's what that conversation might look about. Here's some of the discussions to have about the algorithm, about editing your feed, about what it is to block somebody, unfollow somebody, mute somebody, why you might choose to do that. The idea that, you know, what we expose ourselves to, we onboard that and it becomes part of us in some way. What you've seen and heard, you can't unsee and unhear. Mm -hmm. So how to be a wise consumer and also how to be a wise contributor mm-hmm. so that they grow up with some some intel about that right out of the gates rather than us having to be reactive after the fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this media piece is so key, especially for our children that are growing up so digitally native. Like as a millennial mom, I grew up pretty digitally native, but also nothing compared to like what my children will grow up with. Yeah. And I had asked on threads, one of the talking about digital media, one of the new meta apps that just appeared out of nowhere. Thank you, Zach, for that. Exactly. (laughs) And I had asked moms and sort of pulled them on there. Like, what is one of the greatest pressures they face in, you know, modern motherhood today? Like, what are they grappling with? And screen time and like sort of media management and the guilt that comes with screens was like undoubtedly top of mind for people. Yeah. 
And I don't know, we start when they're young with these recommendations of like, they shouldn't have screens until they're X amount of years and sort of set these rules for parents. But also I think that because we haven't been taught a lot of digital media literacy ourselves or media literacy ourselves, we don't know how to teach navigating this like digital world. And so I look at my kids who have tablets and play games on tablets and ads are there and YouTube is there and all the things and they're not even on social media yet. I know that screens are inevitably going to be a part of their life more so than even it has been for me. And how do I teach them how to engage with this in a healthy way? And we actually just made a decision in our in our home recently, like video games get such a bad rap, you know, like, I don't know, gaming and we're wasting our lives playing video games. No, I don't think so. But my boys on the tablet often will have their game that they'll be playing and abs will pop up and it's not, I can't monitor it in the same way. Whereas if we're collectively playing a family video game, it's supervised and I can contribute to the narrative there. Mm -hmm. So it's not about like abstinence of screens and media versus full access. I think that it's learning how, like you said, to teach our children how to engage with this in a way that doesn't harm or hinder their confidence, but they see it as a tool that they can use and can understand the messaging around it. Yeah. Whenever we preach a message of abstinence, it's almost guaranteed to go sideways. Yeah. And so we don't want to go in with our heads in the sand. We really do want to have open, informed conversations with our kids. And I think what you just provided as the example of like how to make something work for your family, Mm -hmm. as opposed to have it be a detractor from relationship within the home you can make it into something actually kind of positive and fun. And at the end of the day, we are wired to be social beings and we will organize ourselves around access to those connections. Hmm. That has been probably the greatest addictive component of screens and social media is that they have become this kind of fill-in substitute for connectedness Hmm. that can't possibly feed our human souls. It's just not how we are wired. Mm -hmm. It gives us this surface level hit. And I liken it often to, it's like you're snacking on junk food all the day long. Mm -hmm. Then you have zero interest in feeding at the table of actual relationship. You don't want a healthy meal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You've been eating brownies and potato chips all day. Yeah. And so the idea that we can take all of that back and make it work for us. I was part of a television talk show recently as part of the Dove campaign. And I met in the audience. It was a collision of various worlds during the pandemic. I had come into contact via Instagram with this incredible young woman. She was 13 years old at the time. And she had just decided, because she was bored and locked down, to start this earring business where she was making all of these earrings. And I thought she was incredibly clever and just so driven. And the stuff she was coming up with, because at the time, my son was the same age as her. And like, between you and I and all of your listeners, I was like, there is no way that my son would have cracked this code at this age in his life. Mm -hmm. Anyways, she and I went on to partner. And we funded some internship placements as part of a breast cancer study. My sister at the time had been diagnosed as a young mom with a very sort of rare but quite lethal form of breast cancer, Hmm. lethal only because it goes undetected in most young moms. And so we had got involved with this nationwide research study, and we were like, how can we help? And so we thought, we'll sell earrings. That's what we'll do. So this sweet girl, I think she made... 600 pairs of earrings for us, Hmm. like in her mother's living room. And we've gone on to have this like really fun relationship. She's coming up on her 16th birthday now. And I was on this talk show and guess who's in the audience Hmm. is this young girl to talk about how social media has been this incredibly positive thing in her life because her mother walked alongside her and allowed her to see how it can work for her and not against her. She is fueled by it in a way that has, you know, she used to be a kid, like she never would have been interviewed on a television show ever. Mm -hmm. And she's found her footing and sort of found her, her light and she's found her voice and she's doing like really cool, incredible things in the world because I Instagram y'all. Yeah. And so it doesn't need to be 
you know, this horrible, awful thing. It can be a wonderful way to be connected and to be shining light out into the corners of the world. And our job as parents is to create that reality for our children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see that. And I see how Instagram has been the fuel to our entire platform and company that we've built. Right. And we are actually a part of a research study with UConn and University of Toronto on it being a viable way to distribute psychoeducational education for moms that can have an impact in like health seeking behaviors and like have just a lasting impact, like a positive psychological impact on mothers and their journey. So Mm -hmm. I think that being able to teach these skills of understanding the messaging in media, knowing how you can control it and when to set boundaries and how to set boundaries and these different things really play into that narrative, as you said, that builds about ourself and about our confidence. Are there places or ways that parents can start with this? Or do you have any thoughts on how they go about guiding on this process? Yeah, I would 100% get onto the Dove website, dove.ca, and download the confidence kit. Hmm. Even for me as a mom, when I first was introduced to that confidence kit, I was like, this is gold. Mm -hmm. There's been so much research and so many brilliant minds that have gone into creating the connections that are made in that kit right down to like conversation starters Mm. and actual topics to talk through with your children. It just really does make you feel as a parent that you might have some idea about how to navigate that journey and what it is that's going on. I also think for our children, and actually, you know, my heart just goes out to parents today because we are navigating a world in terms of social media, that is largely the wild, wild west. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There is very little in place in terms of systematic governance that protects our children. It's just kind of this wide open portal at this point. And there's not a lot of policy in place that is allowing for us to create a safer world for Mm -hmm. kids. Right now, it's all on parents to have to just like, you know, put those protective layers in place and control it all. Mm -hmm. And so Dove has done this incredibly clever thing where they've pre-written a letter for you to submit to government. Oh, okay. Where you can go onto the Dove website. If you go to dove.ca slash kids online safety, and it'll walk you through how you can, you snag that letter, and then they, through the push of a button, you've poofed, send it off to government. So you can join this chorus of voices and feel empowered through advocacy and the need for us to be part of this groundswell of adults, including a lot of mental health professionals mm-hmm. who are saying, whoa, this is wreaking havoc in the lives of our children yeah. and not on our watch. Mm-hmm. Will we allow that to stand? Mm-hmm. I love that. I can't wait to go download the kit myself. I'm like, this is going to yeah. be so, so helpful. And I feel like It's interesting because I'm raising three boys. Obviously, you know, self-esteem and confidence is a conversation, but it's a different narrative than if I was raising girls. I feel like there's such an added layer there. So I know that it is a major stressor for a lot of people in our community. So thank you for sharing those resources, for joining us today. I love your platform. I love your partnership with Dove and all that you're doing. Thanks for sharing the Dove resources. We'll link those in the show notes below so people can click through. And where can they learn more from you and where can they connect with you as well? Thank you. My website is drvanessalapointe.com, drvanessalapointe with an E on the end.com. I'm very active in heaps of positive ways on Instagram and Facebook, which is also just drvanessalapointe. And I've written a couple of books. I've got one online course available to parents that's self-paced around discipline and how not to mess our kids up (laughs) when we're disciplining. Mm -hmm. I've got another one on anxiety that will release very shortly. And in the fall, I am launching a global parenting program that will be a community kind of space and place for parents to find their footing to get to work with me directly and to be that presence in their children's lives and in their own lives Mm -hmm. that allows all of us to be our best possible selves. We'll link those in the show notes so that people can connect with you. 
appreciate the work you're doing. Congratulations on your success and the things that are to come for you and appreciate your time and being here today. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much to Dr. Vanessa for taking the time to join us today. Media literacy, raising confident children are all big topics that often hit so close to home. If you've got any follow-up questions or would like more coverage on navigating the media and children, technologies, screen time, just send me a DM on Instagram and let me know what it is you would like more of. If you found yourself reflecting and felt like this really struck a chord with your own self-esteem and your own self-confidence and feeling like you've got some work to do on accepting and embracing yourself before even being able to raise confident kids or maybe alongside also raising confident kids, I encourage you to book in a free 15-minute consultation with one of our mom therapists. Not only does our identity go through a massive adjustment in pregnancy and postpartum, but our bodies go through more changes than I ever expected. And in a world that tells us that we need to be smaller and lose more weight and see the scale counting down to be gaining weight and to see your body growing and getting bigger can really be a difficult thing to process, especially on the other side of the pregnancy in the postpartum period. And we often struggle to accept or embrace the differences that we're seeing in the mirror. Our mom therapists are well-equipped to support you through this, so head to momwell.com to learn more. That's momwell.com. I'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week, where I'm being joined by New York Times bestselling author Claire Shipman to discuss embracing power as women and as mothers. You don't want to miss it. I'll see you right back here next week. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for resources or links from today's show, or you need a refresh on anything we've talked about, visit our show notes. You can find the link in the episode description, or you can head directly to momwell.com slash learning center to join the Momwell email list and be the first one to know about new episode drops, insider info, or freebies, head to momwell.com slash newsletter. Join me next week. Until then, remember that you have to be well to mom well. Settling is not an option. Everything I desire is already mine. What if you can have it all? Because every day is for the girls. Hello, hello. Welcome to For the Girls podcast, hosted by Victoria Alario, For the Girls Who Want More. Listening to For the Girls will have you ready to raise the bar, stop settling for the bare minimum, and start believing you can have it all, and step into the 2.0 version of you. You can catch a new episode of For the Girls every Monday across all podcast platforms. Until next time, girls.